Happy Monday, Dialed fam. What's going down? My name is Derek Teal. I'm the owner and operator of Dialed Health, which is strength training for cyclists. You may not recognize me right now because my voice is a little raspy. It could be from the acid reflex of eating leftovers all weekend. I woke up already a little scratchy, screamed at people for seven hours straight in the gym, and now I'm recording this podcast. So it's a little tough to understand what I'm saying. And even though I sound like Miley Cyrus, who smoked three packs of cigs, I'm still going to get the info to you today. And the topic is awesome. This is actually a self-request. It kind of came up in my brain this weekend. I was riding, bumped into some friends, and uh, just a question came up, you know, about racing for next year. Uh, Am I racing? Am I not? And I just thought of, you know, should... I, I think... I've been through so many phases of racing, you know, from full-time schedules to part-time to what I'm doing now, which is just very select events, you know, just a couple a year, if not only one, like I did this year. And I kind of want to talk about why. I think there's real reasons to race and there's real reasons not to race. And I think all of them are really valid. And I think it'll be very very relatable to you, whether you're racing road or racing mountain or downhill or whatever it is. I guess downhill is in the mountain category. See, you know, voice is gone. Apparently my brain's gone too. (laughs) Either way, I think it's going to be a great episode. If you're enjoying it, please leave me a five-star review and um, just a little shout out on the comments. Just say, Derek, wow, your voice sounds even more beautiful when it's basically gone. That works great. You could also repost me on Instagram in your story. Tag me at Dialed Health and I'll repost, man. Really appreciate it. And let's get into it. Yeah, it's a Dial Biz update. No, I know what you guys are thinking. That was not Miley Cyrus. Okay, that was my personal rendition of Party in the USA. And I know it sounds so accurate that I don't want you to copyright me. Don't flag me. Um, I am willing to get in trouble though for you to bring this dialed health business update because there's a lot of cool stuff to say and I got to get your attention. So now that we made it here (laughs) through that, we're going to talk about the mobility program, which is launching today maybe tomorrow, sometime this week. In fact, I just got a text from my designer. He's putting up the final edits that we made yesterday to the program. Just polished it up, made sure there's no mistakes and everything is crystal freaking clear. Now, I've mentioned why I'm excited about this program. Obviously, mobility, yay, yay, it's good for you, this and that. But it's so cool because this program is going to work really well with other programs. And there's also two follow-along stretch videos, 20 minutes a piece. They're phased, so one is actually more advanced than the other. And the way we mix in you correcting your body and the total body stretching and then even Turkish get-ups into phase two is just so cool. I know that might sound like Japanese to you, but you follow along these videos, you stretch, you have a thing to do to support your strength training, to support your recovery from your on-the-bike training. Oh, it's just so sick. So check out the mobility program when that launches. I'll be posting on Instagram a ton about it, so you can look over there or just check the website. It'll be up very, very soon. Now, another cool thing about this program is that it coincides with the BKXC video on YouTube that is launching next Monday. So Brian Kennedy Cross Country is a YouTube channel that it's BKXC when you look it up. That has a huge following of over 300,000 people, and he makes really, really great mountain bike content. Everything from vlog-style travel videos to POV riding to bike gear checks and all sorts of info about all-around riding. I mean, it is just like a mountain biking-dedicated YouTube channel, and to be featured on it is like so exciting, especially when the, the website's up and running, the programs are getting loaded, and 
now when they see this training video of him coming into the gym, we talk goals, we go over, I mean, so much information. Like I give away a whole workout on this video, like to the T, everything exactly what you should be doing. We talk about overall programming for a week, how to incorporate it in a writing, some kind of random details that come up through the session. I mean, it is packed. In fact, the first edit was 50 minutes long and we're trying to make it sub 30, which we will, I think, and it's just going to mean that all the info gets so condensed that I think every couple of minutes, it's just going to be like gold nugget, gold nugget, gold nugget, gold nugget. Can't wait. So check that out. It's going to be in one week. Again, I'll be blasting it on Instagram a ton. But if you check out Brian BKXC on YouTube, you'll see it pop up in a week, man. December 9th. Keep posted for that. Now, another cool thing that happened in the gym was my buddy Cam Bobier came back in for training. Now, Cam races Moto America Superbike. So basically this is street bikes, like road racer, motorcycles. Unbelievable. I mean, the dude is literally two inches off another guy's wheel when he's doing 175 miles an hour. Like it's just, it's incredible to go watch. I went last year to Laguna Seca and saw him do his thing. This year, he just wrapped up the title, man. So he is literally the Moto America champion re-signed with Yamaha. Just, it's so rad to see him back in the gym. He's training, we're talking and like, obviously you know how cool all this stuff is, but to be around someone that's so humble that is really the best in the world at what he does is, uh, it's just inspiring. And again, like if you've met the guy in person, you know how humble he is. He's from my hometown. And uh, that's it, man. I just want to shout that out. It's really cool to have him in the gym. And the more people we get in the gym that are just positive, that encourage people to be better is, is very, very important to me. So excited about that, man. It's just the vibe in the gym. I want people to step in the studio and feel like the energy, like there are real big things happening inside here. And I want them to walk out inspired. And I think getting people like Cam in really, really helps that happen. So that's great. Now, last little thing. And I wasn't sure about bringing this up or not because it's just, it's like weird to bring up because it has not happened yet. <laughs> so I'll just be straightforward with you. I am pursuing a Lululemon ambassadorship and I just made my first point of contact. So I've been tagging him with a ton of my videos and I have a friend actually, shout out Melvin. He is up in Vancouver. He's a Lululemon ambassador. I met him through Instagram and uh, just a really, really cool dude I've gotten to know. And basically he's even talked about the real way to like get connected is through your local store. So we have a local store that just expanded. It's incredible. And I finally got in touch with the manager, the one who does events for their teams. And they're going to be coming to the gym either this month or next month for a workout. We're working on the dates right now. Obviously it's crazy this time of year for any retail store, but I think it's my first opportunity to be just connected with them. And I, I just got to say, I don't know if this is going to work or not. And it's kind of why I'm bringing it up because whether it succeeds or fails, I think it'll be kind of cool to follow, but here's what happened. And this is a lesson of just making moves. You have to create your own opportunities because I basically went in with my son, started just talking with one of the employees randomly, just about how awesome the product is. I, I really wasn't there to buy anything. And I was just saying, this is great. This is great. She knew a ton about the company and the gym came up. Finally, the manager kind of came up and she's like, oh yeah, you can come back in and drop off a card. Well, basically I got the names of everyone, called back a couple hours later, got in touch with the manager. She said, hey, you know, obviously it's about to be Black Friday, this and that. Let's touch base on Tuesday, tomorrow. Just send me an email with all this info. Send her the email and now I'm just waiting to hear back. 
Um, so that's pretty much where I'm at, but also like I just took the initiative to follow through with everything like right away, very timely. And that's it, man. I just have noticed over the course of dialed health that there's a lot of opportunities out there looming for you and they're just sitting there behind a door, but you have to be the one who like raises your hand up and knocks because there's a lot of stuff. I think there's a lot of doors that you're just going to pass that are just sitting there. And that thing that you want is right behind them. And you just aren't willing to bang on that freaking door, man. So bang on that thing. And that's what I'm trying to do. So yes, uh, you know, give me a little prayer. I hope it works out. I think it'd be really cool. And I think it makes a lot of sense for both of us. And, uh, I think it would be awesome. So Lululemon ambassadorship. All right. That's the goal. 2020. Let's do this. And, uh, with that being said, Life update. Let's jump into it. Welcome to the reality show, Keeping Up with the Teals. This is the life update, people. There's really not much to talk about besides Thanksgiving, bro. Thanks friggin' giving. <laughs> it was fun, it was relaxing, and I ate a ton of food. I ate leftovers all weekend, which I really enjoyed, like no regrets, but I want to capitalize on a few things. I did the Thanksgiving survival guide and I did accomplish the goal of not getting sick on Thanksgiving. Honestly, I didn't go back for seconds. I kept the appetizers to a minimum. I had a plate of pie, a full plate, like literally three giant pieces and I ate what was really good and I left what wasn't as good to me, you know? And I also noticed as I was eating this pie that Anytime I've been eating a lot of sugar at once, you know, like a real like stuff your stomach dessert, I have been literally starting to shake. Like it is the weirdest feeling. And I noticed it the last time I bought Oreos and then I noticed it with this pie. So that was kind of interesting. And it happened well before I felt sick at all. And I don't know. Anyways, that was kind of a side note. But the thing is, I walked out of there. I felt full. I felt satisfied, but I didn't feel like gross and overstuffed. I think part of it had to do with the bike ride I went on earlier. And part of it had to do with the fact that I just simply didn't eat the same quantity I used to. Uh, I did eat the same stuff. I mean, (laughs) it wasn't low calorie by any means, but it was delicious, really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm kind of happy I listened to my own advice on that one. Uh, The only thing that got me though, are these freaking leftovers. I picked up leftovers from my parents the next day, so excited about it, snacked on them all weekend. I probably had one leftover meal a day, which, dude, it's heavy. I'm eating stuffing and sweet potatoes that might as well be pie. There is leftover pie, and dude, I got got on the scale this morning, and I actually gained three pounds since Thanksgiving, and I know some of it's fat for sure. Okay. And some of it probably is water weight. I've been working out on my normal riding schedule and everything, but I'll tell you what, that's just way more high calorie food than I normally eat or have eaten. And it's a reminder, guess what? You put on weight when you eat bad. (laughs) Yes, it happens so freaking quick. And so I was kind of excited. I was like, no creamer in the coffee this morning, no sugar. Okay. We're going to leave a few bites of that breakfast. And now we're eating a protein bar. Okay. So I'm like, get up just back into my groove of normal eating and it feels good, man. So, um, as mentioned, I did go for a quick ride that morning. It was like 25 mile road ride. I got to say though, it was raining when I left my house and I actually drove to our meat spot instead of riding there because I was still in the rain and I knew the 
the forecast was coming my direction. So I was like, well, at least they're probably out of it. So we didn't ride through the rain at all, which was great. The grounds were soaked, had a crew of like four to five guys. We took some sick back roads up to a local coffee shop, had a hot cup of coffee, warmed up. And uh, did I already say it was like 40 degrees? It was freezing. And on our way home, we took some more cool routes. We pedaled hard. I got dropped by my buddy Chaz, who's such a beast on the bike. And then uh, we made it back and in time for everyone's meals and, you know, family celebrations. So really stoked we made it. It was a cold start, but totally worth it. And kind of just added the fun. I don't think there's a better feeling of being on a really cold, kind of wet, damp ride and stopping at a coffee shop. I mean, absolutely legendary. So that's it. Life update. Great Thanksgiving. Great ride. And I'll be keeping it pretty lean and mean this week to get back to normal uh, and recover over Thanksgiving. Anyways, let's get into the bulk. Welcome to the bulk of the episode. You are here to find out whether or not you should start racing. Should you continue racing? This is a really interesting topic to me because I've kind of been through every (laughs) facet of racing and from every angle, from wanting to do it as a career to wanting to do it completely for fun and then wanting to do it as something that supports my business. And to give you a little context, I want to go over my quick history of racing. I'm not going to dive into details. If you want to know details, look at the Story of Dialed Health episode number one of this podcast and it's going to give you a really good breakdown timeline and all the stuff that went behind me where I'm at now. But for reference, and I guess a little credibility, (laughs) this is how I've done literally hundreds of mountain bike races over the last 15 years. So I'm 28 now. I got my first mountain bike when I was 12. By the time I was 14, I started downhill racing. By the time I was 16, I was racing downhill around the nation on a full circuit at a junior expert level. So that's like cat one for under 18. And I'm going from Mount Snow, Vermont to Port Angeles, Washington to uh, Snowmass, Colorado to Angel Fire, New Mexico and like all these huge hotspots for downhill races. So doing that full time, basically until I was 18, went through some big sponsorships, went through some big injuries. About the time I was 19, 20, I'm fizzling out. And then I make a couple of little comeback tours until I was about like 21. So Once I was 21 is when I got into personal training, started riding trail, took a few years off racing, and then got into enduro. So I had three hard years in enduro racing. One season was like half a season because I broke my bike and basically ran out of money. (laughs) The next two seasons, I committed myself to a full year of Calenduro, uh, which is a full enduro race season, plus TDS, plus other races. And really, that is what led into dialed health. So... Besides the downhill racing and the enduro racing, I've done dual slalom, four cross. I've done random local cross country races. I guess the only thing I've never raced is road. I've done a lot of group rides and stuff like that with fast dudes who do race. And it always reminds me that you can pedal around corners and (laughs) they just do things differently. You know, I learned this weekend actually that the top of the climb isn't at the top. It's a quarter of the way down. So (laughs) there's just, it's fun to like be in different avenues of riding and to have come across like not only my perspective of racing, but also other people's like I've been with world champions. I've been with people who want to just be there for fun, who started racing, you know, at in their middle, like age of life, I guess I've been with little groms that are so stoked on riding. They couldn't tell you whether or not they want to be a pro. They just want to ride their bike. And <laughs> it, and it's cool to see, you know, why people are doing what they're doing. But 
very often too, I see people that are racing that I'm like, like, why are you here? Like, I don't feel like you want to be here. You seem like you feel obligated, but I don't know why. And well, I kind of do know why, but, um, we're going to talk about that, man. So basically I wrote out a list pluses, minuses of racing. And I think it'll be very interesting to you, whether you race mountain, whether you race road or any discipline, um, and whether you're racing currently or you're not racing at all, or just kind of on the fence in the middle. So listen to this list. I think it'll bring a lot of clarity. We're going to start with the positive list because it definitely is a lot longer than the negative list. And I think it'll be easy to jump into the potential negatives as we kind of go through it. So first thing that's super positive about racing is the community. Racing automatically will make you friends because you're around riders of a similar skill level. You know, especially I gotta say racing enduro when you go to more local type events you're it's like a big group ride you know even the cal enduro where you don't have specific time starts and you just have to go with your class like i would end up just riding with my 10 closest riding friends and we would pedal around the mountain and do our runs and high five each other and push each other and we all kind of know each other's speed so you know if so and so is like you know, coming across the line and I only counted 15 seconds. Well, I just got smoked <laughs> and it's just a fun competitive thing. Vice versa. I mean, you were just going to meet people. You'll be on the bike. And since I've gotten away from racing as often, uh, well in general, I mean, I race a little bit now, but it's very hard to get groups of riders together like that. Like, don't get me wrong. I have friends that ride and we get out for group rides and we ha- we'll have the occasional day of like 15 dudes and it's just the sickest day ever, but it's few and far between because especially when these guys are still racing, they're racing at like pro level. It's they everyone's on their own agenda a lot more, you know, like I'm obviously on my own agenda and the schedules just don't line up as often as when you're all racing on and you're all racing like off. So like on season, off season, it's just, for me personally, it's thrown a few things out of whack. And what's really helped me actually is the dialed health community. It's been so helpful to get plugged back into riding more through dialed health because I've lost a little bit that I used to get with these races, man, because it's just like a big fun party. And even when you go race downhill, you have practice and it's not only this, that it's like the environment and the atmosphere of races. If you're into biking is just cool. Like, it's just cool to be around a bunch of bikes. It's cool to see factory riders, factory racers, world-class product, mechanics, just everything that you watch on Pink Bike and Vital. Like, that's what you see in person, and I think that's what's so cool. So even if you're not in, like, an enduro type of racing, you are literally just around bikes, which is a cool energy, and you're also just, you know, living what you watch and the thing that you kind of admire. So it's just a cool, cool experience. Like, community with racing... You can't really beat. Well, I, here's what I will say. I've met some weirdos over the years. There are some weird mountain people that come out and race. And uh, I'm not saying they're mean people. I don't want to sound like a mean guy. But, you know, there's always that special person that you remember from the race and think, you know what? If I never saw them ever again, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> And I think that's also, you know, it's not just like this perfect, like you're going to click with everybody. I mean, I've met some really, really good riders over the years that are kind of awkward, you know, or kind of weird or just like not nice guys, you know, or women, uh, vice versa. It goes, it goes every which way. So, uh, you know, I guess that's me just being a realist and a little negative on that one. Um, (laughs) now besides the community, there's a ton of accountability that comes with racing, racing for 
you as a pro or for you as someone who just does it, you know, for fun, it's equal accountability. Like you have to prep and prepare based on what level you're training at. So whether it's your job and you know that you need to peak in this time, like it's going to really dictate your structure over your month, over your year. And if it's, you know, something you do for fun, you have a few events you do a year, you still need to know you need to peak. You need to be in shape. You have to be a little bit better than your friend was last year. (laughs) And you get, it's just like healthy competition and enough put on your plate as a date that you're going to want to perform. And obviously if that isn't enough for you, there's some other things going on. Um, obviously there's a lot of life factors and what ifs behind training programs and stuff, but sometimes just putting that date on the calendar is enough for you to say, Hey, you know, that's my little carrot and I want to go eat it. I want to catch it and eat it, devour it, get angry with it. Um, so that accountability is really nice. Also, this kind of ties into just personal goals. You know, a lot of times it's hard to tell how good you are as a writer. You know, Strava is very deceiving. And even though you you see like fast riders are typically at the top and this and that, but like sometimes you'll see riders who aren't like the best racers, but they know how to Strava hunt and they catch it on the best day and the perfect conditions. And, you know, every little variable is at their advantage and they get a good Strava time. And so, or they just cheat, you know, people cheat on Strava. And if you don't really know where you're at, as far as like riding goes, there's nothing better than going out and freaking racing. Because even if someone maybe rides ridden the trail more than you, this or that, the general the reason it's so important to judge yourself on the same day is because conditions change so much. You know, if you all have to perform right now on the track that's presented to you, it's going to be way more accurate of a test of who's a better rider. Um, when it counts, at least, you know, some people can't, you know, they just crumble under the pressure. Um, usually those people though, they know they're good riders that they ride well outside of racing and they don't need that justification. If you're just genuinely curious, go freaking find out, man, just go ride normal and see where you're at. Um, it'll tell you really, really quick and on the most fair level playing field. So cool for personal goals, you know, Oh man, I got fifth of this race last year. I want to get on the podium or I was mid pack and I want to get top 10 or I don't want to get last or I'm just trying to bump up a class. Super, super cool. Now, as I mentioned in the beginning, um, it's just fun, okay? Racing is just fun, and I think that's more than enough of a reason to go and do it. Um, But that being said, you don't want to get so tied into the culture and the community that you lose track of reality. You know, if racing is not your job, then there's a lot of sacrifice that you're having to make to be at those races. Like I know, (laughs) I know that it's expensive. It takes a lot of time. And what I found out most recently is just how much energy it takes. It's not only just, you know, the days that you're gone for a race. It's also the preparation leading up to it. All the little stuff from dropping your bike off at the shop to get it tuned, to buying this part, to reservating or reserving this hotel or campsite or whatever it is. Like these things are real, you know, problems that you have to like solve to make the race weekend happen well. And, you know, as soon as I stopped doing that, I realized, holy smokes, like I have so much more energy just to put on work and like the thing that like really matters for me right now. So don't feel like you should be obligated to be out there because even though you always have friends that are like, Oh, I should be here do the full series. Oh, why aren't you racing more? Oh, this and that, you know, I've seen a lot of people over the years who they feel obligated to be there. And I'm like, I don't know why, you know, like I'll, I'm going to be a hundred percent real with you guys, unless you're out there winning every race, 
it's not that people aren't going to miss you, but when it's all said and done, no one really is going to look back and be like, why wasn't so-and-so there? And I, I trust me, I, it sounds harsh, but I've been that guy. You go, like a whole race goes by and it seems like you had zero significance. Like no one cared that you were there. No one asked, like, no, you know what I mean? And even though that doesn't, it's not a good feeling. It's just the truth. It's like, you know, people are so caught up in their own race that unless you're just sharing a like cabin with that person directly, they're not going to notice whether you're there or not. And so, you know, if you're there, if you, if you want to be there, but it's just such a struggle on your real life and it's going to put you into debt and it's going to dig you in a deeper hole than when you left it. I don't think it's worth it. Like, you know, last year I paid off a credit card that was from racing. I did in 2015. It was on parts that I still, I, I hadn't ridden in over a year and didn't even own. And I was just still paying it off because, and honestly, that's not even bad. You know, I've talked to people with 30, 40, 50 grand of credit card debt just from racing. Because I'm always like, how do these people do it? Well, guess what? That is how. <laughs> you rack up a few summers and uh, pretty soon you're just so behind that I don't know what. And they, and they keep going. I, I don't get it. And uh, it's, it's just like not even funny. It's really weird to me. It's like concerning and kind of just, you know, how do you even enjoy the race at that point is what I would ask. Like really, like when you're out there, it's just like, do you feel like if you're not there, you just don't know what you'd be doing with yourself? Like what's going on? Like, like literally, you know, grab your nuts and handle your life. You know, like I, I can only say that because I've had to do it. And it's just, a, it's a very hard thing to make uh, yourself do and commit to, but man, that's just, it's kind of, it's kind of sad to watch. I just, I'll be honest. I never wanted to be the washed up racer. Who's still trying to like live the dream, like the uncle Rico. And that's why I capped my own thing. And if that's you, like, you know, I don't think, I don't know. I don't know what to say really. I, I think that's just my stance on it. And that's what I chose, why I chose to go my direction. Now, also, I think if you're someone who wants to race, for some clout. <laughs> you want to race because you want like a sponsorship and you want to save some money on parts. Be very careful that the amount of money and time and energy you spend racing doesn't outweigh the potential return on the sponsorship you can get. So obviously sponsorship is cool. I'll be honest, uh, from the perspective of someone who has had a lot of different levels of sponsorship, you know, getting 40% off a product isn't that cool. Like it's very, very, very helpful, but you telling any experienced rider that you have, I have 30, 40% off with this brand and they sponsor me, or you just say they're sponsoring and you're like, well, I don't know, they, you know, they're racing like cat two or cat, cat one, like maybe and and for mountain biking, I guess cat one's not as significant as road, but it's like people know it's like, all right, like that's cool. You save some money off that, but like, it's not really that big of a deal. So just that sounds so mean, but just keep it in mind. Cause I've talked to people who are like, Oh man, I'd love to get like free jerseys and I want to hit these races and get these results so I can get that. And I'm like, well, if that's the only case, you're about to buy the most expensive Jersey or set of tires that you've ever purchased because those next three races are going to cost you minimum 2,500 bucks. I mean, that's being conservative and a full retail Jersey is going to be like 80 to, I don't know, 120, whatever. That's like an expensive Jersey. So keep in mind, is that the real end goal? Or is it that you just want to tell people you're sponsored? You want to put on your Instagram profile? Like that is totally cool. 
and fine. Just know why you're doing it. Just know I want to personally be sponsored, not so I can save like 40% off this thing, but just so that, you know, it's like, it's something I've always wanted. And to me, that's like a huge accomplishment. And I think it is, that is a huge accomplishment. Um, but just know why you're doing it. Again, it's not really to save like a little money unless you're trying to go full pro and get everything paid for and make it your job. Uh, even just getting everything paid for is huge. But again, the sacrifices you'll have to make to get there, you could realize, well, I could just put this energy into work and probably get a lot more money over the long term uh, if that's kind of like where your head's at. So that's just an interesting thing. I've always I've thought of a lot over the last couple of years, obviously, because even pursuing like certain sponsorship stuff, it's like, dude, I don't, I don't think that's really worth it. Like, you know, you're saying I have to, like, I don't even really, you know, need to buy that thing. And I, now I have to redo all my, you know, product just to wear your product, but I'm still going to spend 500 bucks, even though it's discount. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's just really look at the whole thing before you jump into something just for the coolness of sponsorship. And other than that, I think you just need to know that, you know, if you're racing, um, it's for you, man it really is for you and no one is going to even though there's a credibility that comes with racing and doing well i think it's cool it can it can definitely add to your reputation uh but the most important thing is that you're satisfied with your whole journey through the racing you know one of the things i was happiest about toward the end of my racing career was that i got really consistent and i got control of my my head and i was able to perform uh when i wanted to you know that was something that i felt I didn't have control over for so many years because I'd have a stellar race and I'd have a bummer race, you know? And I think there's a point where the bummer races started outweighing the stellar because I'd either blow up or break apart or weird stuff would happen. Or, you know, I just couldn't pedal cause I, you know, some, you know, I was nervous and didn't eat or something weird. So when I got consistent, like there was a few races in a row where I'd like finish the same exact position you know, I had so many like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, top 10, like results in the course of a couple of years on the same circuit that it was just like really cool to be like, wow, dude, you know, like when it matters, I can control my brain and perform when it counts. And even though I didn't win the race and get the pro contract I wanted, that was like probably the biggest accomplishment I ever noticed with racing. So, um, it, it was really satisfying, honestly, cause I can accept the fact, well, it's easier in hindsight now where I'm at because I'm, I feel very clear and happy on my path, but at least initially that was something I was very proud of. I was like, man, I just, I know that when it comes time to make it count, I can do it. And, uh, yeah, that was just really cool. So that was my personal thing. And I'm sure you have a couple too, you know, there could be a lot of personal things, you know, maybe you didn't excel at sports as a kid and you want that opportunity to do it now. I think that's totally sick. Or maybe you're just like a little kid and Grom and you're just like, dude, screw it. I just want to go fast and I'm going to prove it like that. I can go fast. I think that's sick too. I think it's all rad. Uh, but again, just have intention. Don't feel obligated to be there. Um, even at like race venues that you just don't want to be at, you know, I don't regret, I guess this is close. If I had one regret with racing, it was that I spent too much time going to venues. I didn't like <coughs> Fontana and, um, racing there because it was a part of a series, even though I didn't think I'd do well, or I just wasn't like, I didn't really want to go. Like 
I spent time going to these venues that sucked because I felt obligated to be there when I could have just maybe done two less races that year, put the money toward one sick race and had the time of my life and maybe fueled myself up, probably gotten a better result along the way because I'm so much more stoked. So that's another thing too, man. Like keep in mind that you are the one who has to put out all this time and money and energy. And like when you break down the cost and all those variables, it's like, yo, I could actually go to Whistler for a week or something like that. So keep all that in mind. You know, what is going to serve you as a rider the best? Um, and you got to equate it to all the variables of riding because, you know, there's a lot of cool things to do on a bike besides race. And, you know, thankfully we have social media now that gives you a huge other opportunity to do media and to be a pro rider a different way if that's your goal. So uh, that's pretty much it, man. Those are my thoughts pluses and minuses of racing, a little bit of my experience, and also what I've seen down the road. I would want you to be very clear on what you're doing and just get the most of it, man, because as I've stepped out of it and re-fallen in love with just the culture of riding, I just, I don't know, I'm so grateful for what mountain biking is, and it's such a rad sport. It is the best sport ever. That's why I do it, and just cycling in general, man. Get out and freaking pedal. Know what you're doing, and you're going to be, know why you're doing it, and you're just, the whole process is going to be so much more gratifying, and again, probably a lot more successful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I genuinely hope it adds value to your life. Now, if you've been listening this long, I'm guessing you're a dialed health OG and I could probably trust your response with this. Now, I've noticed a few things with the podcast and I was considering making a little shift. Now, the I've gotten a request on these Monday episodes for them to be longer and just to like dive into the topic a little bit more. And I've also noticed just through analytics that I'm getting about half the amount of listens on my Focus Friday episodes as my other episodes. Like they're just not nearly as popular, which quite frankly, I'm totally surprised about. I thought a shorter episode would be something someone would want to start on a commute, bang out real quick, whatever, but it has not been the case. I have gotten good feedback on them, but what I thought was those aren't doing well by the numbers, people requesting longer episodes. Should I just do more of a super whammy one a week episode, cram a couple topics, I shouldn't say cram, but (laughs) cover a couple topics within each podcast and go from there. So let me know what you think. You can reach out through my website, dialedhealth.com. You can reach out through my Instagram at dialedhealth. Let me know if that's a good idea or not. I'd really appreciate it. And I'll just honestly say I'm kind of leaning towards doing that. So let me know what you think. Also, if you do have a topic idea, I'd really appreciate it because you guys give me some good ones. Now, that all being said, start moving forward and discover your path. I will see you next Friday, maybe Monday. We'll see.